Hello and welcome back to another edition of Editing Aloud. And as usual in South Africa, there's absolutely nothing to talk about. So <laughs> we'll, um, uh, we'll try our best. Um, Ron Darby, the Financial Mail very cruelly um, has uh, Finance Minister Melusi Gigaba on its cover this week after his medium-term budget policy statement last week saying he's shooting blanks. Yep. And in a way, um, uh, the markets seem to back that up. The yeah. rand has uh, tanked. Yeah. The stock market's going through the roof. Yep. Um, uh, Melusi Gigaba is facing almost certain ratings downgrades come the end of the month. What is he, what is he, does he have any policy space at all? To do, is he allowed to do anything about the predicament that, not him, but Zuma and the cabal have got us into? He had a chance uh, last week Wednesday, right, to paint. I mean, what he did last week was just like spew it all out there, look, things are bad. And that's silence afterwards. There's no, uh, no chance to like kind of give some view of how we're getting out of it or give the, yeah. the, the, the country some sort of hope. I guess that what he was doing in Troop was looking after December, not pissing off either the radical uh, people in the, in the, in the yeah. ANC or the moderates, right? So he did nothing. So that was his last chance to do something about ratings or, any, or give some, I mean, some uh, breathe some hope into the economy. Wh what he did there was showed absolute lack of no leadership, right? I always think about Malusi. People tell me he's going to be the next president, or in his mind is. Yeah. This was a chance to show that here I'm leading. And what he did last week was no leadership at all. He just basically sat on, sat on, sat on the fence and did nothing really. But, just but Tim, what, what could he possibly have said that would have been credible as a, as a response to the crisis, that would have been not only credible in the markets, mm. but politically possible? Well, well, the politically possible thing is the, you know, is the tricky part of that yes, equation. Of course, but, but I mean, the the, uh, but I mean, I think he could have been firmer mm. on. Uh, first of all, uh, you know, the, the, the whole idea of this budget should have been uh, that to absolutely not break any any of the fiscal stability yeah. measures that yeah. had been before. Yeah. And, but and he did. Mm. Uh, he did um, uh, because they had to put their hands in their pockets and dish out another you know, billions mm. for the SOEs. Oh. Um, so one of the things that he could have done is he could have insisted on the sale of the telecom stake yeah. in order to not break those barriers. Yeah. You know, the, uh, so which subsequently, weirdly, after the budget, he's now come back and said you know, that they are going to go ahead and uh, sell a big chunk of the telecoms uh, um, in order to try and you know, keep those, those. The second thing I think he could have done is he could have been a little bit less uh, um, uh, he could have pushed a bit harder on uh, keeping uh, public sector, the public sector wage bill in check. Um, you know, there was a lot of data in the documents which shows that the, you know, the public the wage sector bill wage bill is, is completely out of control. Yeah. Uh, people in the in the uh, public sector are now in the in the middle bracket. People are earning two and a half times what they get in the private uh, sector. Private sector. I mean, it's just. Uh, Extraordinary, and uh, you know, I think he could have taken that further. And I think that the markets would have liked that more because it would have shown a little bit more kind of resolve. But how do you do? Th how do you do this, Ray? I mean, if you're the finance minister, uh, can you stand up and 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 outright um, contradict the president? In other words, he would have gone to cabinet. He would have said, "This is what we want to say in the in the, in the mini budget. We're going to freeze this. We're going to cut this. We're going to cut that." And they all said, "No, you can't." Can you? get up in Parliament nonetheless and say, yeah, we are going to do this? Not really, not without Cabinet's backing, mm. because then it'll just be undermined. I mean, I think this, you know, this is illustrates the subtle but absolutely important change that occurred, not just between 
people when Gordon left and yeah. Kigaba moved in, but in how finance, the finance ministry ranks. You know, it is now subordinate to the political agenda mm. of the president yeah. and his and and the party. So Gordon would have gone to cabinet and said, listen, here's the bad news. We are cutting here, we're cutting there, this is what we're doing, no more of that. Um, expenditure is going to be reined in yeah. and cabinet would have grinned and borne it yeah. because he was the finance yeah. minister and the tradition was for 20 years and even before that in fact that the finance minister actually called so the So is shots. this a demonstration of how little clout he has politically? Exactly. Or is it, is it so he went into cabinet, they all looked at him and said, you know, we've got a party congress coming up, just forget about it, not going to happen. And Hillary, so the, the, uh, we don't want to make too much of the rating agencies, but they do decide on how much our debt costs, and, 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 and we borrow every week, don't we? I mean, we borrow tens of billions of rands per week to pay our debts, largely. Um, uh, if you're a gigaba now, and you can't do any of the things that need to be done, do you just, do you, do you just pretend that you are serious, or are, are there little sneaky things that you can still do before... I think um, S&P and, and Moody's rate, rate us again on the 24th of November. What, is, what does he do between now and then? Peter, I fear he has quite fundamentally missed his chance. And mm. it's not that there was nothing he could do. Mm. I, I, I presume it must be either extreme arrogance on his part or a total lack of understanding of what markets or rating agencies expected because there were at least two polar opposite options which he had mm. uh, last week which he could have followed and many variations in between. The one which he may have not had cabinet approval for was to say we are sticking to the path of fiscal consolidation. That means we are going to have to cut spending quite dramatically and we are going to hike, have to hike, hike taxes. Um, including sorting out SARS so that we stop the slide in tax mm. compliance. Mm. Um, and that's what we have to do, and it's going to take its toll, but we need to prevent a ratings downgrade. At the other end, he could have said, and it would have been a perfectly plausible line, here is the truth. We considered a number of options for what we might do in terms of trying to stay on the path of fiscal consolidation, but the toll it would take on the economy is just too great. There are limits to what fiscal policy can do to save this economy, mm. and we are going to push hard from our side to make sure that the structural reforms to improve growth happen. So he could have spun any of those stories, and he spun none of them. He yes. just sat there like a sort of a rabbit in the headlines. Yes. Well, is that, that's not completely... I mean, I agree, in, you know, in sort of broad principle, but the, there was, he did throw in one little curved ball, and that was about nuclear. Um, so he definitively said that nuclear was not going to happen. Uh, so presumably that was contrary to what the president wanted, you know, the... Uh, uh but, but he didn't say it in his budget speech. He said it on the breakfast the next day. Yes. When it, you know, oh, no, he did say it in the. No, he quoted, he quoted, he quoted the president. He quoted the president. He quoted, he quoted, he quoted that, himself. But, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. but then he didn't uh, explicitly say so that. And then the other, the, the other curved ball, you could, you could argue, I'm just, you know, hypothetically, you could say that it, the very fact that he was speaking so explicitly about how bad the situation was uh, wouldn't have been endorsed by cabinet. You know, cabinet would have wanted him, presumably, to say, well, things are going to be okay. They're a little bit, you know what I mean? Uh, that's, that would have been the No, preference. no, no, I, I, I disagree with that. I mean, cabinet, 
even, even like uh, when it comes to this in 2009, right, the same uh, scenarios, and it was very desperate at that time. But even then in his budget speech, yes, there was this, you have to sell this idea that, look, there's a plan to get the country out of it. And he just literally came there and just threw it out there, this is it, and sat back and thought he was, he was being strong. Uh, I think in, in his head, I'm being strong, I'm showing, but do you, do you think by being frank, was strength, but you think he was surprised? Do you think he was surprised by the reaction? I, I think he was, I think he had no was. idea. Yes. Yeah, he, I didn't, Which I didn't is shocking. He, he I mean thought he was just being frank, and yeah, I'm telling the truth. Shocking, okay. he had months to, the point yeah. about a budget speech is it's your big, outing, you yeah. have months to prepare, you have this highly skilled treasury team, which has done many but budgets. But him being surprised... could have advised had he asked. Him mm. being surprised is almost the most frightening thing. Of that is yes. frightening. Yeah, yeah. Does he know what he's um, saying? It tells you, does he know what he's actually saying? Right. Yeah. That's the whole surprise. Do you know what you're saying? Right. And now he has... Do you think thing. he was surprised by uh, Jacques Poe's new book on, on, uh, <laughs> on, the, on, on the president <coughs> and the fact that he is now, whether he likes it or not, uh, going to become drawn into a debate about whether the president has paid all his taxes, and if he hasn't, what's he, you know, what is he, the finance minister's nominal head of the of SARS, mm. going to do about it? Tim? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, uh, um, I mean, I think that the, the the big the big uh, sort of uh, headline of the budget was the enormous revenue miss. Uh, yeah. So that you know, the expenditures basically stayed the same. Uh, they missed the revenue target by 50 billion rand. I mean, it's just frightening. Yeah. So, uh, w what it was 30 billion last year. So, this is so, is so it was 30 billion last year, right? Yeah. So, just go cast your mind back. It was 30 billion last year. And then, in order to fix that gap, they put up dividend tax and they put up personal taxes, yeah. right? On the, yeah. on the very rich, right? And so, that was supposed to help, yeah. right? And it didn't. It made it worse. Yeah. Uh, so so you know, when the they put up taxes again, I mean, given the, the well, he ANC's says no. proclivity for doing the same thing over and over again. Yes, yeah, he no, says he no, but his own budget actually says 15 billion of tax increases next year, which he didn't seem to have remembered because <laughs> you wondered if he'd read the numbers. <laughs> but I agree with Tim that, that this is a big miss and it escalates in coming uh. years. And the way Jacques Poe's book really comes in is already SARS is reporting declining levels of tax compliance and people that are very worried so about tax mm. morality. Yeah. And Jacques Poe's book is just absolutely going to strengthen this. Why should we pay if, yeah. if the boss doesn't pay? Is there, is there Raymond, a, a is there is there a, is there a political um, uh, fallout from 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 the revelations in this book? Do you think? Oh yeah, I mean I think the, the revelations are extraordinary. I mean you've got Glenn Agliotti who presumably knows what a South African gangster is, mm. saying that. He's a gangster, just like us. <laughs> On the record, there is taped. But is he a real you know, gangster? But yeah. is he a real gangster? Yeah. For that, you're going to have to read the financial market. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, so I think the fallout. But the tax fallout is massive. Yeah. You know, and it's not that people will now, although suddenly you have, you know, radio talk yeah. shows about should they or should they not yeah. be a tax revolt. I don't think tax revolt is. But does possible it come in? Does it affect? Does it affect the December ANC conference run? Do you think this book? Uh, I, I think well, it does. Like, the revelations, are, uh, perhaps they're planned as well, they come out so soon towards December and so on. I think it does weaken, I mean, no, no, I'm just being hopeful. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that it does weaken uh, the president going into December and people are trying to scare, scare you away from him. But the one uncomfortable thing about the whole SARS thing, like for five years they were begging our president to fess up about tax. That, yeah. that was the problem, we're trying to find Presumably a, a political Ivan solution. Presumably that's why Ivan were fired, right? Yeah, because yeah. they kept on bugging yeah, him. They yeah. bugged him for, like, for five years, a yeah. political solution, and then he just had time to proper plan. And hence we have a, a, the, the weakest finance minister we've had in, over in, the, in the new South Africa and yeah. so on, and a, new, and a treasury actually that's at its weakest. And it all starts because of this 
political solution to our prisons' tax issue. So almost, I'm irritated by even Ivan Pele, the whole unit itself, for trying to find a political solution with their number one. But maybe at the, from the very beginning, they had to be like hard, hard, hard on him. And yeah. here we are with the weakest finance minister we've seen in, uh, yeah. Yeah. in the I news dispensation. Yeah. It is quite normal for SARS mm. if they hand it with mm. taxpayers or big corporates mm. who are have fallen, you know, fallen off the compliance ladder, if yeah. you like. It is quite normal to go and see them and say, would you like to talk to us about this? Or at least to approach them. Yeah. So that's what they did, and especially with someone like him. But it, I mean, I think it puts a different, a, an extra gloss on this whole thing about the NPA and the law enforcement agencies being captured so that they're not going to, the more, it doesn't matter how many revelations we have of, of, dodgy stuff, nobody's being prosecuted, and the same goes for the tax. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter how many revelations we have of people who've been insider trading, raking off commissions, fees, mm -hmm. kickbacks. Have we seen SARS, uh, have we seen anyone investigated by SARS? We wouldn't necessarily know this, but one suspects that SARS doesn't read the newspaper headlines and say, have we checked that this guy's paid his taxes? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, we've had this whole institution sort of eroded mm. so that those people who are sort of up to no good can get away with but it's it. But you know, it's not only the people who are up to no good. I mean, you know, the, 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 uh, the relationship between corporates and SARS is a contest, essentially. Mm. It's a contest uh, about legality. And, it's the, uh, uh, and if you weaken SARS's ability to see through what businesses are going to do, you know, they're going to find a way to, yeah. to root I their money through Mauritius or... I conversation you know, with Pravin Gordon, he would describe how he would go and see a Stephen Kosev or a yeah. Laurie Dippinon and say, come on, you know that you can cough up a bit more. And there was obviously a relationship there which allowed him to knock on the door and, and say that, but I don't think that relationship exists anymore. Yeah. Um, no. We'll be back right after this break. Welcome back. Panel, the <coughs> there have been some fascinating um, uh, confessions or admissions or, or revelations in the um, hearings in, in, in the National Assembly and Parliament into SOEs like ESCOM and, 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 and others. One of which is that uh, this fellow, Eric Wood, who I think is now the owner of Trillion Capital, um, he having bought it from, the, from uh, Salim Essa, um, uh, is accused by the former CEO of Trillion Capital of not only knowing in advance about Zuma's plan to fire Shlantla uh, Nene back in 2015, but of shorting the RAND uh, on the back of that. In other words, what he did was sell RANDs when the RAND was relatively strong and after the announcement buy them back and make himself a large RAND profit. That has to be the most disgusting thing I've ever heard of. But Tim, we were talking about this before um, uh, before the program began, that's to, uh, this fellow Wood. I've never met him. Comes out of the private sector. He comes out. I'm afraid of Investec. Um, uh, he surely represents an ethos in the private sector that you make money where you can, when you can, as quickly as you can. Yeah, no, I'm sure that there's lots of high fives going on yeah. about traders yeah. about what he, you know about yeah. getting this one right. Yeah. I mean, the um, I mean, I think the thing the, the weird thing about it is here's a person who is you know uh, bidding for work, who's working for Transnet, notionally trying to improve the infrastructure of the company of the country and so on, mm. and then uh, uh, is so cynical that he knows that 
you know, if they change the finance minister, the, the rand is going to yeah. tank. So there's a, a, yeah. a way to make a quick buck out of it. I mean, I saw the, uh, somebody was on Twitter this morning, th uh, this morning saying, you know, the thing about trillion is that, um, you know, you you uh, the rule one about naming naming your company is to not make it sound like a bribe yeah. in in the name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be fair to him, it was Salim Essa who who named it. But, um, <laughs> Um, Ron, I mean, these, these hearings in, in, in Parliament are also having a political, they must be having a political effect, an effect inside the party on MPs, not only the ones in the hearings, but yeah. on the rest of the caucus as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, this is me again being hopeful, yeah. right? But yeah. uh, yesterday's report about Masina is that the Ikuruheni mayor saying, look, he's not serving under Ramaphosa presidency. That's a, 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 a big Zuma back already, like shrinking away from the. So that's How is he shrinking me. away from. Like he, he's always been one of, one of Zuma's biggest supporters within the within. But he's saying he's not going to work yeah, with Ramaphosa. So he's Ramaposa stepping away. Really. So he's almost giving in to that the oh idea okay. that Ramaphosa is likely to take this thing. So I'm hoping mm. I'm seeing those as hopeful green foods that. Yeah, well, we'll get the to that. The end is now. Yeah, we'll so get to that. I mean, Ray and I were also having a discussion before the show, mm. where I, I mean, my view is that the single most powerful candidate in the race for the presidency of the ANC in December is still in Kosozana Lamini Zuma. Mm. Ray has a different view. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th I think that as soon as KwaZulu-Natal uh, splits, which it has, mm. it's now 50-50, 60-40, I'm not sure exactly. KZN. Yeah, KZN. Yeah. Uh, split between Zuma and Ramaphosa, I think her hand is substantially weaker. And who do you have in front of the race? Because you did, you did start, you had a, you had a nice graphic yes, which I you brought with us. You know, I mean, if you look through the provincial vote, yeah. I mean, Ramaphosa's stronger than ever in the Eastern Cape. He's got the Western Cape, Northern Cape is solidly behind him for what it's worth. It's very small. Um, there's Gauteng, Limpopo probably. So, you know, it all starts adding up to... And Mpumalanga? And Pumalanga, nobody knows. Um, you know, Mabuza's playing a very sort of strange yeah. game. I think he's probably looking for a candidate that can that's going to, you know, probably even as well in Kiza. So do we agree? I mean, are you, are, you, are you, I mean, obviously it's, it might be wishful thinking. You have to guard <laughs> against it. Mm. Um, and Ron has, you know, f um, has reminded us mm. a couple of times already this program. But, but, um, I know business seems to think that Ramaphosa is going to win because obviously they want him to. But, but uh, Tim, w w what's your view here? No, I, mean, are you I, think, I, I, think I think they're generally speaking right. I mean, the, the, uh, I think um, Ramaphosa's ahead. I mean, the, 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 the problem is, the problem is not, well, the problem is obviously who's going to win, mm. but the, there's also a subsequent problem. So let's say he does win, mm. you know, the, uh, then what? Then what are we seeing? You know, the, uh, um, in some senses, um, you know, the, um, you, you have to ask, does the party then split? You know, do all of the previous people break away? And, mm -hmm. you know, or, or do they take the ANC with them mm. and leave Ramaphosa on the side? You know, the, uh, the question of uh, uh, what happens post the, um, the conference in the circumstances of a, of a, um, of a Ramaphosa it, victory. It, Sorry, just, or just or they, the, the everybody's thinking t the too positively about what the, the, yeah. the, the, the they think that will be a great solution it to the problem. Henry, isn't one of the disappointments that we don't know what Ramaphosa would do 
if he got the yeah. job. Yeah. Why hasn't he told us yet? Yes, well, they, they, there's the, 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 the question of what happens subsequently is a big issue. I'm not as convinced as everybody that, that, that Ramaphosa is going to I'm win. I'm not I think convinced at all. NDZ's mm -hmm. been getting around to yeah. the branches and she's you. in there. Um, and there's, a, there's another, there's the question of what happens after. There's the question before anything else of whether the conference happens at all because yeah. there is quite a strongly held theory that if it even looks like he's going to win you can expect credentials battles and um, all sorts of things going to court and it's quite possible that December doesn't even happen at least not in December so that's question number one and then question number two is if for the sake of argument he does win what do we know about whether he has the resolve or the um, authority authority or even the plan mm. to start really turning it around because he's, no, he's not really taken anybody into his confidence I don't know whether I don't I've never I've not seen a single interview with Sir Ramaphosa and of course as I what I thought was a very plausible mm. um, uh, piece in business day on your op-ed page the other day mm. nothing from Ramaphosa what's he what's his plan I mean everybody's going around saying radical economic transformation whatever wherever you are on the spectrum but that um, why can't he say something? But that's because but that's die down. Talk a to us, Cyril. Radical has died down a bit. But I think what, what they're saying, what Ron is going to do, is the whole idea now is who, who is he charging? And that's the big fear right now within the ANC now. But if, if should he win, he's saying now that he's going to go charge them. People are, are going to go to court, right? Are going to go to jail and so on. So everyone's asking, does he have the gumption or post uh, when he's won to actually go through with it? Yeah. That's, that's what he's telling everyone within. So people are questioning whether does he have the stickler to carry on and and charge people. I mean, Jack Poe's book and so on shows that lots of people need to be charged, right? Yeah. That's what he has to do to start the whole cleanup campaign. Well, he can't charge him. He's just got to appoint a proper policeman to run the exactly. police service and, and a proper prosecutor to run the prosecution. And the thing with Tim was, was saying if Zuma can, if Zuma loses and they, and they split and cause another party, that's great for the ANC. Jesus, can you imagine a party with Numbula and Mokonyan on the side? Yeah. So starting their own party. That's, that's great for yeah, the ANC. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No. They'll never go no. anywhere. No. I don't no. think they no. they just get to go into jail, period, yeah. right? You see, I think the one thing about Ramon is that he's a master negotiator. Yeah. So he knows that his biggest card is the consequences mm -hmm. of the whole state capture thing. Yeah. yeah. So he's not going to give that card up now nope. and say, mm. I'm not charging anyone. Mm. And, you know, yeah. He's got no, what is his leverage within yeah. the party? Mm. He's going to hold that card out there mm. in their noses all the way until yeah. December. Totally. Yeah. But and you know that's how he's going to leave a support within uh, the party. But you know, people forget that you know, the, the, this election is, is about the, the, um, the head of the ANC. You know, it's not about the head of the country. So, you know, the, uh, so everybody who thinks that, you know, two th that this is going to change things dramatically, you know, you, you've still got two years to go before yeah. the election, you know, the, the, uh, and then only will, will he, if he wins, have the authority to change the prosecuting, or, you know, the... Uh, oh. uh, but but uh, ANC, well, if you get ANC president, you're king. Even if you count your president, I mean, Becky, Becky, we could see in those, in those years after he lost Polo Kwani, was, was literally... He wasn't the around enough long... For eight months. Yeah, eight months. In those eight yeah, months, yeah. Becky was yeah. rendered useless, right? It, it showed you how, how strong a Lutuli house is when there's a new president. Yeah. That's what exactly everyone's worried about. The next 18 months, what, what will he do in that seat yeah. if he gets that seat? Also, the, the, the theory of the confident boost yeah. on its own yeah. uh, would, would, would start to turn things around economically. Um, and, uh, but then, of course, he'd start <laughs> somebody would have I to start delivering there'd something. There'd be a, there'd be a bounce. There'd be an opportunity. There'd be, There'd be like a hundred days mm. Mm. Um, when people would be once again positively disposed towards.
yeah. what government the may be doing. The underlying challenges wouldn't yeah, go, they wouldn't away. go away. So but unless you took full advantage of that period, that's going to be... To, to do things or to say things? To do things. Yeah. And say the right things. Tone, yeah. right? Tone is important. Yeah. People uh, react Because to in that, those right? hundred days would fall Malusi Gigabas or the finance, or, or a budget anyway. A budget, February, yeah. Right? yeah. Um, Hopefully he does What has to happen it. in that budget? Whoever wins, let's assume the worst. Let's yeah. assume it's in Kostasana, but I mean, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, let's assume there's a, a, a new management uh, in, in town. Malusi um, Gigaba keeps his job. Can he, can he go back again? Um, uh, to the cabinet and say, okay, what I wanted to do last October, I still want to do. Do they? Does he get a different response? Well, now he's had this cabinet committee yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of ministers Patel, and Lady yeah. Pando, etc., yeah. and so who've mm. been sitting and pondering fiscal issues. Mm. So now he's somebody's given it some thought. So mm. maybe he's now got something to say. Is he going to cut spending up taxes? Are they going to go a different route? Uh, what are they going to do? Are they going to stand up to the public sector yeah. unions? Uh, theoretically, uh, we should have more of a plan in February, though I'm not 100% confident. But, but, but the challenges are, uh, the economy is not really going to improve between now and February. In fact, no. the outcome could be worse, especially if we get a downgrade next month. The outcome uh, and, the, and, the, and the revenue outcome could be much worse than 50.8 billion, I presume. Or is that, an, is that an accurate extrapolation? The forecasting is usually pretty good, though we don't know. The wild card, I suppose, is that, is, is that the numbers out of SARS, yeah. because SARS is not in a good state, yeah. the numbers out of SARS may not be reliable. Yeah. And they've, in the last couple of years, they've found ways to kind of vickle it at the yeah. last minute. Yeah. Uh, but e yes. every time they do that, it pulls Great revenue point. into this year, which is not there for next year. So you just don't know, really. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's talking not going to be any talking easier. Talking of vickling... You've got a story in the in Business Day today, Hillary, on uh, the World Bank sort of downgrading South Africa's uh, on the ease of doing business um, uh, ranking. Uh, we used to be a relatively easy place to do business. Um, we were 74th last year, now we're 82nd, and presumably we've been higher than 74th in the past. So. Are we just becoming harder to do business here or are other people becoming easier? How's it, what's happening? It's a bit of both. And mm. I think this is an interesting survey actually from a growth and jobs point of view, Peter, because this survey, the World Bank survey, looks at the ease of doing business from a sort of a regulatory point of mm. view. Um, so, for example, one of the findings is that in South Africa it takes a new small entrepreneurial business 40, uh, 45 days, I think it is, to go through all the processes of registering the labor and registering the company and get set up and up and running. In 130 other countries around the world, it takes less than 20 days. In other words, less than half of what it takes here. So this really bears on the issue of entrepreneurship and small business and the fact that we just really don't have that happening. Even though we have economy. ministers of small business, they do oh yeah. nothing for More regulation. I mean, I remember, Ron, when I first went to Rwanda a couple of years ago, the first thing you saw as you stepped beyond passport control was a big banner telling you it would take you two days to set up a business yeah. in, 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 mm. in the capital. Mm. I thought that was extraordinary. Yeah. And what, you know, it, it was, a, it was an, a signal of intent that you just don't get you. Why don't we care, Tim? Uh, well, theoretically, we do care. But I mean, the, um, <laughs> uh, somebody was talking about the difference between private equity companies and, uh, and you know, uh, entrepreneurial yeah. companies. The, uh, and actually, I think the analogy is w works the same for the way that politicians see businesses in South Africa and the way that business people see the businesses. Yeah. You know, the, the, um, if it's, you know, you see two cows in a field, the, uh, the politician says, 
wow, I wonder how many stakes I can get out of those two cows. You know, the we, business we are not going to listen to the story. <laughs> We've all heard it before. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next week.